Hi everybody and welcome to episode 7 of the Franchise Marketing Show. Today we are talking about BR, BR in marketing, BR in events, the future of VR. Um, it's an interesting topic, Laura. It is, and I don't have any experience with VR, so I'm have you looking never tried a headset on no. at all. No, I've never had the opportunity to, so I'm looking forward to finding out more about it, I think, today. I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because there's so much investment going on by the big companies in VR, um, and it's being used a lot for events and different different things in, in the business world, but it still feels like we're at kind of very early adopter stage, yeah. but on the brink of going past that. Um, I must admit, I tried probably for the first time, the first time I put a VR headset on was probably a good four years ago I think we had a come a VR kind of business come to our office to to demo their their software and hardware and it was unbelievable like it, it was so good and I suppose since then I've used it a few times but mm. not extensively yeah do you think it's come a long way since like just four years ago do you think it's come on quite a bit from then or has it sort of been a bit stagnant yeah no I think it's come on massively I think because back then you it wasn't as easy or accessible for anyone to go and buy a headset in a shop right, yeah. and, and experience VR at home, which is where it's at now. Um, and I think the gaming industry means that more and more people are using it. I think if you spoke to probably a younger demographic, um, even younger than us, like really young, <laughs> um, I think they would, the proportion of them that have tried VR would be huge. Like my, my son's 11 and probably from 11 to school age children, Right, um, yeah. A lot of them will have VR headsets or have certainly tried it for gaming. So it's the newer generation that are much more used to it, I think. Yeah, because I can't imagine sort of having that sort of thing when I was at school. It must be, yeah. It's, I, I think strange. I think the, the, the bit of VR which I think everyone needs to experience is just how immersive it is. And I it's almost impossible to explain it without experiencing it. But the, the difference with VR compared to um, anything that we look on a monitor or computer is it is immersive like it, it literally tricks your brain to believe what you're viewing because it's all around you is real and the, the best example I can give when this business came in um, we put the VR headset on and one of the the kind of um, exercises they had was they had this crane and they said to us this crane's going to swing round and the challenge is to try not to duck um, and I was thinking well that's fine I know this crane's come round I know it's just a headset um, I'm not going to duck but as the, as the crane come round, I had to duck because my <laughs> brain was telling me this crane is going to smack you in the head. Um, and it tricks your brain into believing it's real. And I think that is the power of it. it That's is, crazy. That's it is crazy. so immersive. And we tried it three or four times. Mm. So even after experiencing it a couple of times, I still couldn't like move out the way. Not dodge it. No. So even though I consciously was thinking like don't duck, don't duck, don't duck. My brain just had to do it. And that, that was the kind of part of me which was like, well, this is massively powerful. Mm. I think the good thing about it now is like, I know my mum and dad have had a new kitchen fitted and when they went to sort of see what they wanted, they both were given a VR headset and, and they sort of sketched it out and this is what it will look like in your kitchen. They could sort of walk around it and like for that sort of thing, it's brilliant because you know exactly what you're buying um, because you've seen it, it's sort of in real life haven't you like you know yeah. exactly what it's going to look like so I think it probably gives people more um trust in what they're buying because they can experience it before purchasing or whatever so. yeah absolutely and it's immersive like it, it it feels real and I think that's where we're at like there's lots of amazing VR um opportunities out there businesses using it in a really good way um but still we're at a point where hardware needs to catch up in terms of people having headsets readily available at home and it feels like we're still a couple of years probably away from that. 
So, but to find out more about VR and VR marketing, our interview today is with Samantha Kingston, and it's a, a brilliant interview. Um, she's massively experienced in terms of VR marketing, working with businesses, putting on events. So hopefully you enjoy the interview, and afterwards we'll come back and talk about how we think VR could be used within the franchise sector. So hi everybody, I'm joined by Samantha Kingston. Samantha, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. So I am Samantha Kingston. Um, I uh, I live in Brighton. Um, I'm right by the seaside. Um, I run a company called Virtual Umbrella and we are a marketing consultancy company for the immersive technology industry. Um, basically what that means is that I get to play with virtual reality headsets on a daily basis um, I get to talk to people from a variety of industries that could be one day it could be engineering, the next day it could be healthcare um, to gaming. And we provide marketing events and consultancy services to those people that are looking to get into this industry. Amazing. And I think it, it's clearly a massively growing space. I still talk to a lot of businesses that are not as aware of it as they probably should be. Like, where, where do you think we are on the kind of journey from VR becoming more of a something every household has or every business is using like where are we on the journey from kind of creation through to adoption I suppose it's a really interesting one because I think I feel like my journey as myself has actually kind of gone really fast um I mean we I think I I got into into the industry around 2013 and that was kind of almost like the Nokia brick style mobile stage of VR um and I still sometimes think we're at that stage um but what I love the most is that we, every single year, we have the continuous conversation of like, what's advancing? What's changing? What's new? And it's always different. Um, so I kind of feel like we are in a much better place um, in terms of adoption. Um, I still feel like we're kind of dragging our heels a little bit. Um, but the fact that you can go and buy a VR headset off Amazon or go to Argos and pick it up is incredible. Um, I mean, I remember back in 2015 trying to like sell this technology to people going, well, I can't buy it. So why would I want it? And now I'm like, dad, have a headset, like go and like go and download these games. So I think like we're, st- we're still on this journey, like and it's going to continuously change. But we're a much better place right now where you can actually physically get your hands on it, which I think is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose what's driving that, I'm just thinking of my son and uh, it's probably gaming at the moment, which drives a lot of that. Um, do you think we're get, starting to get to a place, I, I sense we are, um, where businesses are starting to adopt VR a bit more and actually people are buying headsets for alternative reasons other than just gaming? A hundred percent. And I think we, I think in the last couple of years, a lot of those businesses are buying those headsets and they're normally buying headsets in bulk. So they might buy like 200 at a time. Um, with like an enterprise head on um, don't really shout about what they're doing um, so it's only more recently that we've been seeing things come out where you know larger corporations going actually we've had we've had these headsets in for the last couple of years and we've been developing training programs um, and that could be through like HR things or uh, working working on the train lines they've been making things and doing things like train the trainer um, and re-establishing how they do things internally Um, And I think as well, like obviously during the pandemic, when people weren't in their offices, um, a lot of businesses sent out headsets to people at home. Um, And I think which is such a wonderful thing. Um, But also that meant that people could explore what they liked doing with the headsets, Um, because I think there's a a, a thin line between like, 
oh, it's great. I've got a headset. But also actually spending time and experimenting and knowing what you like to do is something that not a lot of people get the chance to do. Um, so I think that's been quite cool. And I've just liked watching people on Twitter go, I've just got my headset and I've just tried out this really interesting workspace. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing, isn't it? I still think there's lots of people that haven't actually truly experienced VR. I think it's fair to say. I mean, I remember... Going back, I think it was four or five years ago, we had a company come into our office and they had the full VR setup. I mean, in those days, it was a huge computer and <laughs> like a massive setup. And it blew my mind just how immersive it was. I remember they did this thing where they a crane swung around and they were saying, like, you don't duck. And you're thinking, well, that's fine. Like, I know this crane's not going to hit me, but you couldn't not duck because it's so immersive. Your brain is telling you this crane is going to hit you on the head. And um at that point i was just thinking the the possibilities of this are completely endless but how do you get to a point where everyone's got a headset and we're all plugged into the technology but i suppose we're starting to get there a little bit more i feel i guess as well like that comes down to cost benefits as well like the headsets that we have now are way more cheaper than they were originally like i think like 2016 2017 i was having to take around a huge pc you know, and a monitor and, you know, like um, a really high-end headset, which are still fantastic and I still really like using them. But the fact now that you can buy a, a MetaQuest for 299 and you can put that in your bag and charge it like a phone is making a huge impact. Um, you know, I was waiting for that time to come when you could just go and buy it and it's like, oh, 299 that's the same price as a PlayStation. Um, and, I, and that price will come down um it's just sort of you know yeah it's waiting for those moments and you know I I fully believe there will be a point where everyone will have a headset either on their desk or they'll have it on their coffee table um or it might not be a headset it could be something completely different in you know five years time it's just seeing what people want and uh, listening to the users and listening to the audience and catering to that um, which obviously I can't do myself, but yeah. hoping as a as an industry it would you know listen in um, and cater. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's the hardware. Like, how does the hardware become something everyone has access to? I, I heard uh, an interview of Mark Zuckerberg with Gary Vaynerchuk where he was kind of alluding to that himself. Like, obviously Facebook are massively um, investing in met- the metaverse and and VR, and he almost applied that actually the hardware's got probably five years to catch up to where they're planning and even he didn't really know what what that would look like um and i'm sure it could be contact lenses or glasses or whatever that could be it all sounds a bit crazy now doesn't it but fast forward five years and i'm sure it'll happen Um, (laughs) i will just be like popping these back on going right i can see everything in front of me but i kind of hope that we will still have like you know the robust headset that is on your desk because i kind of feel like that in itself right now is such an important piece of technology um although i'm sure like in 10 years time someone will be like oh why did you put that on your face like that's a really weird thing um but that's i guess being part of an industry and getting excited about the future i guess yeah absolutely i I think what would be brilliant to kind of um hear from you is just some obviously you're working with lots of businesses to develop VR, whether it be for marketing or I suppose for comms or events, whatever that may be. Do you have some kind of good real world examples of how businesses have really effectively used VR? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I honestly have had the pleasure of listen, like trying a variety of content and talking to businesses and things. Um, so for me, there's kind of two sides that I'm really interested in. Um, One side is kind of like the storytelling aspects of uh, VR, because 
it is incredibly immersive in the right way if you do it right I'm, I'm a big believer in like technology be used being used for a purpose and being used for a reason um, and then the other side is kind of um, looking at engineering and training um, that's the stuff I get quite excited about um, because I'm seeing it used in a real world aspect so um, for example so down in Brighton there's a company called Make Real and they have been making some fantastic content um, and they made a piece called Working at Height um, I think with Vodafone and they basically um, created a training piece where you would go in and you would work at height. So you would climb the mast, um, you would go through all the aspects, making sure you'd put your hard helmet on or, you know, ticking off the things you need to do. And then physically working at a height to understand almost the fear of looking down and going, that's very high. But also have you put in your safety um, aspects as well and things like that. So and that has done really well. And what I've seen from things like that, because there's quite a few different um, examples of it, is that production houses are now licensing out that type of content to other people that might go, oh, we need that. Like, that's exactly what we're looking for. Can we have it? Um, So I'm seeing like a pattern in terms of like production companies or smaller content makers going, well, I've made this one piece. It's not for anyone in particular, but hey, why don't you license it off me? And, you know, we can go from there which kind of fits into like the franchising conversation. Um, And then in terms of like storytelling, um, I've seen some incredible pieces around like raising awareness. So um, I myself am a part of um, alcohol change and I've seen some pieces around sort of changing your perspective on drinking alcohol. Um, There's also been a few pieces that came out about the Grenfell Tower fire um, and and sort of kind of... um, not necessarily changing the narrative, but bringing it back to a human level um, and, you know, uh, looking at those stories behind what actually happened and the the families that were there um, and, you know, working with charities. So I think that that kind of stuff is those two sides of the world is really fascinates me um, and kind of uh, makes you think about VR as almost like a medium and like why we're using it and, you know, what is the real reason? You know, training is great because we can, um, you know, safely train people if we're working at height. But if we're looking at storytelling and charity work, um, we're raising awareness in a different way because the moment you put on a headset, you're fully immersed, obviously. But you're also you have no distractions around you. Like I, you're not necessarily going to look down at your phone if you've got a headset on. You're engulfed in that. Um, point of view of someone that's telling you something which i think is fascinating yeah i mean the training that the the idea of training at height that is a incredible example of it isn't it because as someone who doesn't particularly like heights and someone that's been immersed with vr i can only imagine that whole looking down would just i mean it would fill you with dread if you didn't like heights wouldn't it it would be oh it's horrible i I hate heights and i had to demo it a few times i was just like i can't look (laughs) i can't look and i know it's not real i can't look um, but I think that's that's like a great thing to know that it really does make you feel that way. Like, and like you said before, you know, with having to duck or you know, I've had things. I've physically fallen over a, a VR table in the past, like, and that is embarrassing to admit. But for somebody that works in the industry, and obviously, I kind of I see past a lot of things. For me to go, oh, 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 I've no, I've gone, you know, and have a group of people laugh at me and go, well, that was silly. But you know, I think that's. Um, yeah the working at height is a great example um and there's so many other things that are happening it's just I, I just want a lot of the companies to kind of share what they're doing a bit more and 
um, get excited to be like, hey, you know, we're being innovative and we're changing what we're doing internally, which I think is cool. Yeah, and I think you're right. The pandemic must be driving or must have driven a lot of the kind of interest because so many businesses have taken things online that they used to do in person. So within franchising, uh, initial training. So training is a big thing in franchising, training new franchisees. A lot of that will be have take would have been taken online, and it it's probably quite hard to deliver hours and hours of training and keep people completely engaged in what you're trying to do. But VR is a could be huge for that in the future. I take it exactly, and I think the thing we don't necessarily think about VR is there's so many other things that we can pull into it. You know, there's things like eye tracking, and you know, like if if you're um. Like another example in terms of like HR, like if you're having to train somebody on a particular um, HR thing, you could be using um, eye tracking to, you know, actually monitor the people that are using it and making sure that they're looking in particular ways or, you know, what's their kind of um, almost like social interactions and how do they interact with maybe like a, a an avatar in front of them if they're having a, a difficult HR co- uh, conversation. That's kind of another side of it, um, which, you know, looking at like the limitations of the pandemic, you know, it's been quite lonely for a lot of people and, you know, having the opportunity to send out headsets to your team and go, let's explore and see if working in a social VR space and being able to interact that way gives us that almost that social interaction we needed. Um, But also it almost like widens um, the world more because it means I can put a headset on and I can go and visit a friend who's in um, Australia and we can have that kind of real kind of social conversation still. But, you know, if, if we work together, we can, you know, jump into an office space. Um, so there's lots of other, other things that we can think about, um, you know, with training, you can do like the whole monitoring thing. So you could, you know, monitor how people are doing like during the training as well um so you know if you've got to set you know if you've got to hit a certain amount of scores on a particular training as training section um you can go right okay well I know that I've got 10 men- members of the team and they logged in at that time and oh yeah they've done really well on that section or actually no they're not spending as much time on that section let's let's look back at that and understand why so there's loads of things that you can kind of, kind of pull into it um it's just experimenting exploring I guess and how easy is it for a business to to take that online? So they, they're probably doing online training at the moment, but they want to explore what they could do with VR. What What is the process? Like, what's the technology they need to use to be able to do that? I think with, as training as an example, I mean, the UK industry is probably, like, we're very, very open and very um, sort of, uh, there's a lot of us to talk to, which I think is good. So, we're kind of built up of a variety of businesses that offer so many different services. So you have those production houses that offer, you know, basically you do this as training. Okay. How do we, you know, transfer that over into something that works in a virtual environment. And then you have other companies that will look at like distribution or help you buy those headsets. Um, So I think it's really depending on like where you, where your business is based, it's looking for the local area and seeing, okay, well, oh, there's a production house. Let's just go and have a conversation. Um, And I always advise people to talk to several companies just to kind of get like an over overview. Um, And a lot of these companies that are making the content will have some good examples already in place. Um, Because then you can also figure out if it works because I think with VR, I always ask people why they're using it. And making sure that they are 
using it for the right reason because they might put their training in and it might not even correlate or you know they might just be doing it because they think they need to do it um which i think is really important so a lot of these companies will be able to kind of almost give you like a workshop and go look here's three examples that we've already made does this work for you yes no if it doesn't they'll always know someone that they can kind of send you to or advise you to which i think is um a nice thing about the industry yeah absolutely and i mean i suppose that the thing which is really going to drive it drive the kind of future of vr is talking about the metaverse and um social environments in in the cloud i suppose um it could even be training i suppose which is done live with with vr where where do you think we are at the moment with that because we i think since facebook have changed their name to meta it seems to have brought the idea of the metaverse um into people's minds more i'm not sure if it's suddenly kind of happened because i think you know in the gaming world there's lots of things which are kind of you could be classed as being in the metaverse anyway where do you think we are on that journey to to having more social interactions in the metaverse and or are we still a little way away from that i think it depends on who you talk to <laughs> Um, cause I think, I think the word metaverse is a buzzword. Like it's a definitely been a big buzzword this year. And I think it has helped with making sort of a general audience, like a, maybe people that aren't using it for a work style thing or using it for uh, entertainment actually think about, Oh, you know, I've heard about this for a couple of years. Maybe this is something we should have a look at. But I, st- I, I do still think we're, a couple of years away from going oh so on Friday night we're gonna you know jump into my my world and we're gonna go and like go to the pub in there and then we're gonna go and you know buy some real estate um inside this social world so I think that's still um a few years away but in the industry itself there's loads of people that I know that do that anyway and you know explore and you know make their own virtual worlds I think it is again it's down to adoption and what people want out of it um you know it's back to that kind of thing of like when I know everyone's got one in their in their house I would expect that kind of to move along or something will come along that will really push people to go yes this is exactly what I want I know there's there's always a conversation about a killer app or like you know a killer a concept that is going to push people to buy the headsets and right now that's kind of like beat saber like beat saber is the big thing that normally drives people to go and purchase a headset because they that's like i think it's like one of the most downloaded pieces of content and it's ever evolving and you know they're always updating it and that is from people that i know outside of the industry that's all they talk about is beat saber like because they know that's kind of the most popular thing so it's almost like waiting for a platform that comes along that kind of almost pushes that side and caters to to them so it's a bit of a waiting game but I think like you never know what's around the corner you know we could have this conversation now and it might be released next week um you know and I think meta like the the buzzword of meta I mean I think when like I think early 90s like metaverse was used and there was a lot of people that were making vr stuff in the 90s that i've spoken to and they always say oh yeah like we did use it but i think all of a sudden the language has changed again and that is kind of partly to do with facebook um you know a couple of weeks ago i was like oh you know maybe i'll start using that word i'm not sure and then all of a sudden all these websites have changed their you know taglines and you know web3 you know nfts and all this kind of stuff so i'm like oh okay well it's already you know changed you know um like a couple of years ago, like we were always just saying, you know, VR, AR, and then it, 
you know, transcribed into XR. And then we're like, okay, that's fine. We'll deal with that. And now it's meta. And so we'll just kind of go with the flow. But I guess incredibly clever play from facebook to to get in there very early and, ch- and change their name they're almost a hundred percent hundred percent yeah and how 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 much are they leading the kind of tech around um vr and the metaverse because obviously they, they've kind of they brought oculus years ago didn't they now which was their, their kind of first move into it what about in terms of spaces because obviously their their grand plan must be to have virtual online spaces almost I suppose long term replace Facebook as we know it. How how close is that sort of technology? So they've already got a few sort of platforms in place that you know you can go in. I think it's Horizons. You can go in, you have an avatar, and you can go and play games with people. You can you know do uh, all sorts. Like they have like several like entertainment sides and like social spaces where you can go and meet your colleagues and you know bring up um, you know sort of like graphs and in- infrastructures where you could you know play around with things. Um, so they've always kind of been on that level. Like I, you know, they've been talking about it in their conferences every year. And I think because they're such a big social brand, like there is, you know, everybody knows Facebook. They have almost, you know, they are almost what you would say is like Apple to VR. Um, the biggest problem with that is that not everybody likes Facebook and not everybody likes using them as a social media, which is totally fine. So there is an opportunity for other businesses and other technology companies to come in and go, well, actually, we also did the same. Um, and that's where like HTC, um, you've got Pico and like a few others, um, which are kind of on the same level. And I'm sure Apple, they have brought out a few patents and things and we're seeing where they're going to level up. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, waiting for, you know, someone to kind of almost be on the same exact same level Um because you know you can't just you know can't just have one that is dedicated but it can get frustrating for people because you know there's the things around like if you buy a headset you've obviously got to use your facebook account to log in and things like that um as someone behind the scenes obviously we use developer accounts and don't have to do that but it can be a um a barrier for people um which is a bit which which is quite a big problem um so i think that's the biggest thing that we need to figure out and make sure that we are catering for people that don't want to use that side, but also want to have, you know, the best technology they can they can get. Um, so that's something that needs to be figured out. Yeah, I mean, one one of the things as we as we're talking here, which it strikes me like instantly of what could be the driver of um, VR being more adopted, especially in the business world, is replacing how we're talking now. <laughs> like it, it, it will probably fast forward five years and Zoom. It'd be crazy to have as many Zoom calls as we do. Are we starting to see businesses consider running events or meetings more in the metaverse or with VR? Well, I, I'm not quite sure what terminology to use now. Are we seeing businesses starting to do it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I probably attended far too many virtual events during the pandemic um partly because I needed to figure it out and make sure that like I wanted to do it myself but there was like so many opportunities but I think um if you look at conferences like a lot of technology conferences have now been online and they've been in like these virtual conference spaces um some of them are limited in what they can do it might be that you put a headset on and you could go into a space but then you're watching like a zoom presentation in front of you which might not feel the same way as like a going into a virtual space and having an avatar 
actually do a presentation to you, which um, is a big thing. Like there's a few platforms that do that. Um, I've seen a few like film festivals. They've built like actual exhibition spaces um, inside these virtual worlds. So for example, obviously I attend a lot of VR events. So my kind of goal going to a VR event is to try the VR. So I can go into a virtual space and try the VR in the VR, <laughs> which is a bit of an interesting concept. Um, but again, you have to think about like the bandwidth and how much can be streamed and, you know, will it be as seamless as I expect it to be? Um, so there's like a lot of learnings in place. You know, it's not kind of, you know, there's things like, oh, it might take me, uh, if the if the interaction in terms of like walking across a room takes me a good 10 minutes, that might put me off, you know, in, in, you know, unless I can kind of like transform, I want to go over there quickly, um, you know, or what if I don't want to speak to anyone in the space? Um, that's another thing, you know, what if I don't want anyone to come too close to me? Um, or, you know, I, or I want to attend something, but I can hear noise or I can hear other people talking, like there's things like that, that we have to kind of consider. And a lot of these platforms are kind of slowly bringing those things in. So I've seen a lot of festivals and exhibitions and conference style, um, events. Um, there are platforms like VR chat, which are more social things. So if you, if you went to like, um, if you did hop in or we did a Zoom conference, a lot of people tend to go, oh, we're going to meet afterwards in the social space to have a bit of like a, a chat and a, you know, catch up. Um, I think two Christmases ago, I did a VR karaoke night um, after a conference and that was really good fun. Um, you know, things like that. So it's kind of seeing what works. Um, but there is loads of things. There's loads of opportunities and um yeah, it's just that kind of figuring out what everybody wants. Um, and also as well, like a lot of these platforms offer desktop versions. So if you don't have a headset right now, you can also do it in a desktop. But again, it limits what you can physically do um, during those conference spaces. Yeah, see, I just think this is the, like in the business world, this is going to be the big driver, I think, for VR over the coming years. And certainly looking at franchising, a big Franchisors run lots of events, whether it's events for potential franchisees who are looking to invest in into the business, whether it's for existing franchisees running conferences. Um, franchisors really, in, in a sense, are a kind of events business in a way. And probably fast forwarding a few years, unless they are considering how they run virtual events, then they could be missing out on prospects who expect to be able to attend their comp- you know, the competitors are doing those kind of events. So it does feel like we're in a kind of time now where businesses need to, even if they're not using the technology, they really need to start understanding it and, and where it could go. Yeah. And, you know, think, you know, think of the, you know, the opportunities that that can bring up, like that reduces transport, like a hundred percent. Like if you, you know, that limits that you don't have to think about what, you know, flying to America or, you know, people going over to Saudi Arabia or wherever you need to go for these conferences um, you know, that's a massive opportunity to bring a lot of people together when you might not necessarily be able to do that. And especially right now, like there's still limit, you know, a lot of people still don't want to travel and they don't want to particularly leave their area or, or whatnot, which is which is absolutely fine. Um, but I think it's an exciting prospect. And I think the best advice I can give people is if you can't get the headsets in and play with them, experiment with them yourselves, go and find businesses that make the content and ask them if they can come in and have a try because I think that's that's the best way of understanding if you one you like it two you think it's an opportunity and three go right okay what can we do with this and where do we go next um 
you know, and attend those events if you can. Um, there are still, you know, physical VR events that happen and there are still, um, you know, a lot of like workshops that happen. They tend to be free as well. So it's just kind of, you know, sort of almost getting a team together and just going and have going having fun, really. Um, I think that's the best way. And not being scared of it because, you know, it's sometimes it can be quite a scary prospect putting a bit of uh, almost plastic on your face. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's just experimenting, reaching out to people and asking questions. Yeah. And in terms of the kind of future of VR, I think there's lots of people that listen to these kind of conversations that probably can think of a lot of negative um, aspects of what this could bring in the future. I know someone um, with children, my, my young son, he, he loves playing things like Roblox and Fortnite, which in theory are kind of done in virtual worlds, even without virtual reality. And I think that certainly for parents, the idea that children could be in these virtual worlds and it limits human interaction and all these different kind of things. There is some fear around it, I think, isn't there? And, and do you think that's warranted or how do you think that will play out? I think that's totally warranted. I mean, I've, I've had those conversations um, with people for years, like where I've demoed content and I've had parents being like, should my child even be putting this on? Or, you know, like, why would they be putting it on? What, what if something happens? And a lot of that is, is understanding what they're going into. So um, a lot of people that I know that have friends that use their kids use it. Most of the time that that content is monitored. So the parents can monitor what their child is seeing, what their child is using. You know, social spaces are very different to downloading games that don't have that social interaction. So that's another thing is just understanding what they're getting into. And also, you know, I think there's kind of a I don't feel right now that there's going to be kids that put the headsets on for hours and hours and hours and, you know, be completely sort of taken away from this world. I think that's, we're still very far away from that kind of idea. So I think, again, it's, it's monitoring and, you know, understanding what the kids want to do. Um, And yeah, there's, I mean, there has been, there will always be fear around technology. And I think it's just, you know, making sure that you're aware of what that, what you think that fear is and learning and talking to people about it. Um, you know, there's, and that kind of comes into like the Facebook conversation as well, because a lot of people don't like Facebook. And uh, I've had that conversation with a lot of people going, oh, no, I, I don't have Facebook anymore. I don't like it. And I'm like, well, you have Instagram. And they go, oh, what? That, and I'm like, that is owned by, that's owned by Facebook as well. And it, again, it's just that learning conversation, um, you know, and I'm very same. Like I, I have this big thing about safety in VR. Like I, I want to be looked after if I'm in an experience and, if I feel like something, um, if I'm nervous about something or something just doesn't feel right, I will make sure that I make sure that that content creator or that maker is aware um, because that's how we move and grow. And I think it's putting in safety barriers and, you know, things like if you are in a social space and something has gone wrong, you can either mute that other person or you can um, provide a barrier where you are, you are safe. Um, and that's kind of a big thing for me. Um, and that's just that is pushing through. It just sometimes that takes a bit longer. Um, but you know, if there are people that are fearful, you know, being loud and talking about it is the best way for change. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think, I think it just is the idea that this. It, I think once you experience it and you know how immersive it is, you could see how people could get lost in some sort of virtual world and and the reality between the real world and virtual world. I mean, I think you're, we are a long way away from that. 
Um, I think anyone that's seen the film Ready Player One probably take, takes that completely to the extreme, which doesn't help. And let's hope probably one, but... freaked a few people out. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> a really hard uh, question just to kind of end on because I think it, it's impossible to know. But how do you see the next? maybe a couple of years playing out in terms of where we're going to go with VR and then maybe fast forwarding 10 years where we could be. I know that's a really kind of hard question to answer, but I'd love to hear how you think that the kind of timeline for, for the progress of VR will go. I think, I think in the next couple of years, I think we will still be sticking to what we have in terms of the, the meta quests and the headsets becoming a little bit smaller and a little bit more affordable. I don't think they're going to drop to a price that's sort of 50 quid here and there. Um, but I think that it'll be something that is almost packaged together with a setup at home. So it will be something like if you went out and bought a new MSI laptop, you would get your headset with your laptop or most work you know work environments will go okay so we're doing this project um i need you to have this headset because i need you to jump in and you know annotate or do whatever you need to do so i feel like it will just be more of a you know my desk in front of me i have my laptop i have my monitor my phone and i have my headset um not sure what that headset will particularly look like i think it will be smaller and more advanced and faster and better because that it has grown very very quickly um I don't think obviously we'll be at like a glass lens stage. There'll be examples and there are always things that come out that, you know, will be test products, but they'll always be sort of 2000, 3000 pounds, which isn't, um, isn't good for everyone. I don't, you know, unless they're for something particular, you know, in terms of um, other industries, but I think we'll kind of, it will be more about adoption in kind of like the workplace home setting. And then in sort of like 10 years time, I would expect that, Maybe we're still using those headsets, but I would imagine it being more of a kind of a crossover between the AR and the VR, and it will just be the glasses that I'm wearing. Um, and again, that could be that that transforms into more of a, oh, I want to be able to see my my diary in front of me. I want to be able to kind of uh, WhatsApp my mate really quickly more than a, oh, let's play some games. Again, it will be what the what the users want, what the audience wants, um, so it could be two things. I kind of have this vision of like, yeah, glasses and lenses and then still having my headset. But hey, hey I, I don't know, in 10 years, completely different. I could be, you know, working somewhere else and doing something completely different. But um, that's kind of my vision. Um, and it's always it's always evolving and moving so fast. So you never know. It, that could be here in two years. <laughs> we could be fully living in an immersive world and there, there is yeah. nothing else. Who knows? Yeah, we could be, we could be, and I'll still be there going, safety, <laughs> safety first. <laughs> but no, I think it's exciting, and I think it's, you know, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a really interesting technology, and I think it's just, you know, exploring it in a safe way and understanding why you're using it um, is the way to go forward, really. Absolutely, and that, like, thanks so much for your time today, and I think we are at a kind of stage with VR where, as much as anything as business owners we just need to be aware of it and where it's going and and how it could potentially disrupt our sectors how can people um follow you and uh connect with you is there an easy way for people to do that yeah i mean easiest way is probably twitter so um if you follow virtual umbrella at twitter um you'll find us and then you'll find me probably retweeting the stuff like crazy so um you'll find me and my business partner bertie on there and then yeah we're always happy to chat um so yeah that's probably the best place to find me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Samantha. 
No, thank you for having me. So thank you, Samantha, for the interview. I found it massively fascinating. So did I. And there's so much you can kind of take from that about where VR could go. And I thought she was very honest about how it could go in the future. And actually, none of us really know. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're an expert or not. No one actually can tell you where it's going to go. No, no one can know. But it, it, it does feel like there will be a time when we've all got VR headsets. And at that point, the, the kind of possibilities are endless, really. I mean, yeah, she's talking about having the glasses or the contact lenses, and that stuff sounds really sci-fi <laughs> and film-like, doesn't it? But yeah, I guess it's it's on the way, because it, what's the difference really between having a headset and making the technology smaller and having it in a pair of glasses? So. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's bound to happen, I think. And I think then you start thinking about, well, actually, let's bring it back to franchising and how it could be used within the franchise sector. And I suppose you've always got two, again, two different hats on within the franchise sector. You've got franchise recruitment and then your core business, obviously. Yeah. And I suppose for some sectors, VR could be massively disruptive. Um, the one which I think I said in the past episode about the metaverse, but I wonder whether it goes far. And this does sound a bit far out and it does take it to a level where we think, actually, do we really want technology to take us to this kind of place? But, but actually, like in the home care sector, uh, for companionship, could there be a way that people, um, the elderly are at home, put a headset on, are virtually in a room with other people? Um, it, it feels like it could go that far, do you think? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. And it's whether, because I definitely think it could go that far, and it's but it's whether, you know, elderly people are comfortable with that, whether it'd be a little bit too scary, um, and whether it does give you that companionship that, actual humans do but i totally think that it's something that they could look into yeah and it, um, it might be an additional like you still have someone come around yeah. to cook the dinner and to to do all the things that you need to do face to face and don't get me wrong like i hope it never gets to a point in time where this is a replacement to human yeah. human interaction because that, that i don't think any of us want that but as an additional kind of service um i think certainly the younger generations coming through who experience vr from a young age will probably be very open to that i think yeah, I don't think they'll be as sort of um, un like they, they won't be as nervous about it as as other generations. I think because they've, like you say, like with your son having a VR headset, like to play games and stuff, they're going to be used to it, and it's just going to be the next step, isn't it? Taking it up from when you were little to using it in the workplace. So it's, I guess, it's just natural progression. Yeah, no, it will be, and I think, and I think there's other sectors, obviously, where it will impact massively as well but I suppose it's in the franchise recruitment world where it's probably a bit more obvious to think where VR could come in mm. um, I remember actually going back a few years ago and going to a franchise show I'm not sure I've ever seen it since but it was a Australian hairdressers I think and I was going around the show and you, you know when you go around an exhibition everyone's got brochures and but they actually had a VR headset on the on the stand and what you could do is put the VR headset in and it would walk you through an Australian um, superma uh, supermarket, shopping centre, mm. and you could walk into the hairdressers, and then they'd done like a virtual tour around the hairdressers, so it talked you all through the different business elements, how it worked, took you um, like like behind the till and all these different kind of things. Completely immersive, and it took you away from this exhibition space where you're competing with everyone else to actually be in the business. Yeah. That was brilliant. and like That's, that's fantastic for franchises, isn't it? Because you're not... It, you can be shown all the paperwork in the world, all the brochures in the world, but if you can actually experience it and get a feel for how it would actually be as your business or how you you could get your ideas like and have, have how it would look, I think 
that's going to obviously that's going to persuade people even more to want to, this is exactly what I want this is how, what I can see myself doing yeah and it, it was brilliant and it actually thinking about it that was a good four years ago and I've never seen it again since mm. so you wonder whether you know in that kind of circumstance that that's perfect and because you're providing the headset you're not reliant upon anyone else having a headset no. at home obviously going a stage on I think when we get to um a, a situation where VR's more adopted and people do have it at home um more readily available then clearly things like uh discovery days and events is going to be a huge thing i think yeah because if you can't make it if you're if you live further away but you really want to you know join in with the event like you said or if you want to go to a discovery day but you don't want to make the trip just pop the headset on and i think yeah it's definitely going to be something that and it's going to make it easier for businesses to run events as well i think if you know if we think about using hop in and zoom and stuff like we have in the last couple of years it's going to be so much more immersive if you can just put a headset on and be there as opposed to sort of like you said about having a monitor it's just not it's not the same as being able to look sort of 360 so i absolutely i think it's the kind of go between between the two because i think We've all heard Zoom fatigue, haven't we? And I think there is some truth in that. I think everyone's kind of got to the point of like, we've had so many Zoom calls and you're sat staring at a screen and everyone wants to get back to doing real life events. But at the same time, I think people are more cautious about traveling and and don't want to get totally back to where they were before. And I think that's where VR could be this thing that sits in the middle where actually you don't have to leave where you are, but the experience is a bit more immersive than just Mm. being on a Zoom call. Yeah, and I think, you know, what we've learned in the last two years is that it's a real juggle to have do all these work things and juggle family life and social life and stuff and if you haven't got to make that that commute that could take up a whole day and you can just sit in your living room and do it instead or in the office or or whatever I think you know we've become a lot more sort of aware of how precious our time is and if VR can help that and give you more family time and be able to juggle things better I think that's definitely a positive positive thing absolutely and i think just on that one of the things i'm really keen to do um and it'd be interesting actually like to see how how many people have the ability to to do it as well if they have a technology but it's to actually do a franchise meetup in the metaverse so using vr headsets um i've seen it done in a few other sectors now now clearly there isn't gonna be a massive maybe amount of people that are gonna have the headsets to do it yeah but i think it's worth testing out and i think it's the kind of time at the moment where I think every business owner needs to start experiencing it. They need to um, invest in a headset. They need to start thinking about how VR could change what they do because undeniably the technology is coming and it kind of feels like if you miss it, you could miss a massive opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's like anything, isn't it? It's like, you know, venturing into TikTok marketing or anything like that, something that's sort of got this, this sort of zeitgeist feel to it. Um hop on it because like what's the worst that that can happen like you might find out that it's like the best way to market your business or the best way to recruit new franchisees so why not give it a go so laura thanks a lot for your time um thank you for having me again hopefully we arrange some sort of vr meetup for the franchise sector soon and we can all we can all test out the theory but i think (laughs) it is a topic that we we probably speak about a lot more in the future because it's definitely coming and i i really I feel like I want to keep on top of what's happening because Mm. I I don't want to get left behind and I really do encourage everyone else to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for Samantha for doing the interview. Again, if anyone is interested in exploring VR marketing more, do get in contact with Samantha. 
Um, in our next episode of the Franchise Marketing Show, we're talking to Ollie Hills from the agency Nonsensical, and they are a TikTok specialist marketing agency. So we're going to be talking everything TikTok. And remember, you can catch up with this in podcast form on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.